Welcome back to another edition of The Ferry Ride. I'm your host, Austin, and today we'll be discussing microfluidic point-of-care diagnostic devices. To start the show, I will give you a basic overview of how these devices work. Microfluidic point-of-care diagnostic devices, no matter how different in purpose, tend to have the same general layout towards receiving a final result. A fluid sample, i.e. blood, urine, saliva, is placed in a receptacle on one end of the device. The receptacle is usually a silicon, polymer, or glass opening in which the fluid can be placed with ease. However, there are also devices in which fluid can be placed directly on an absorbent material and diffused through to the next stage of processing. The next stage involves the fluid being transferred through a microfluidic channel towards a reaction chamber. Once in the chamber, the fluid will react with a catalyst, whether it's antibodies, hormones, or another testable property reacting in the chamber, the reaction will usually enact a color to form along with the reaction. This color allows for an immediate optical recognition of the test results. In the future, hopefully, these devices will advance to a point in which results can be relayed immediately to a medical professional, and data from multiple tests can be collected and analyzed. Now that we have a little more background information on the subject, we'll head to our correspondent Noah Garibrandt to figure out how these devices are made. There are many ways to produce microfluidic devices. This includes laser cutting as well as soft lithography. However, due to time constraints, I will only talk to you about one, and that one is photolithography. It is started by preparing a wafer by heating and drying it to remove all the moisture. Next, the wafer is coated with photoresist using spin coating. This creates a uniform layer of photoresist throughout the wafer. The wafer is then pre-baked to drive off excess photoresist. The photo mask is then applied to the photoresist to make the desired pattern in the chip. After pre-baking the photoresist, it is exposed to UV light. A developer is used to remove the photoresist that, that was exposed to the UV light. All that is left on the chip will be your design that you printed on it. We'll be back after this short break. Now we have Dr. Kia, who is going to discuss how we can use microfluidic point-of-care diagnostics in the real world. Microfluidic point-of-care diagnostics are commonly found in everyday life. An example of this would be a pregnancy test. This is an example of a dip-stick device that is a self-contained lateral flow which only requires the addition of a sample. This type of test can also be used for cardiac diseases and HIV. Now what else can point-of-care diagnostics be used for? As biochemical detection technologies progress, various disease states are able to be detected, including cancer. For the early stages of cancer, biomarker detection is used due to its minimal invasiveness and low cost using microchips. Early detection is vital for treatment of cancer, and in many cases, biomarkers are present in the bloodstream long before outward symptoms are shown. Well, what biomarkers are used? Well, an example of a biomarker would be the t tiny quantities of biomolecules called microRNAs, which are released in the early stages of cancer. What else can this be used for? As well as clinical diagnostics, point-of-care testing has started to be used in areas such as food safety testing and environmental diagnostics. Thank you, Dr. Kia. Now we have Dr. Lajiri here to discuss in more detail about the science behind the tests themselves. Point-of-care diagnostic assays can be used to test for a few different things, the most notable of which being hormones, antibodies, or an actual viral organism itself. 
Dr. Kia mentioned the lateral flow test, which is a major class of diagnostics in which the substrate is placed on a membrane and flows across it via capillary action. As it flows, it's exposed to different reagents spaced out on the membrane and eventually passes over capture molecules, which, if the species for which the test is being run is present, will lead to some visible indication caused by a macroscopically observable accumulation of molecules or emission of some fluorescent dye. This is how pregnancy tests and some fluent strep tests work. Another prominent form of point-of-care test uses a technique called nucleic acid amplification. The major form of nucleic acid testing is called polymerase chain reaction, but this test requires lots of equipment and temperature cycling, thus eliminating its potential for use in a portable POC device. Other nucleic acid tests are currently under development, and they rely on the same principles to produce results. To the substrate, an enzyme is added which scans its DNA for a specific region. For example, this could be a string of acids that indicates a certain virus. If this region is identified, it's amplified and reproduced so that it can be observed with fluorescent dye or treated with additional chemicals and allowed to congregate on colloidal gold particles due to van der Waal interactions. Either way, it produces an observable indication of the presence or absence of certain DNA. POC assays can test for signals indicative of the body's response to a certain species, or they can test for the presence of the species itself on a genetic level. Austin here. We hope you enjoyed the ferry ride. Please join us next week for the use of microfluidics in food testing.